Well, we have uh, some special guests with us. We have Rosie and Sally. Here they are up the front. Rosie is the CEO of an organisation called Christians Against Poverty. How many have heard of most of you have at least heard of it. Wonderful. We've been evol- it evolved, we've been involved, associated, connected in, to some degree with this organisation for a little while now, but this is only the second time we've had someone from CAP come to share with us. So it's been great to hear a little bit of what they've been up to and the heart behind it again. So can we welcome Rosie, properly welcome, a proper Canberra welcome. I hadn't even finished and they're already welcoming. Come on up. That was a proper Canberra welcome, but it's great to have you with us. Would you mind if I pray for you before we let you loose? And can you just extend your hands? Let's pray for her. Lord, thank you for Rosie. Thank you for CAP, a great organization, Lord, that uh, we just want to celebrate. We want to celebrate not only what they do, but what you're doing through them. And I just pray, Lord, as Rosie shares this morning, Lord, would it be not just her words and her thoughts, but your heart? Lord, give us listening ears to hear what it is that you have for each one of us here today. And we ask you, through your Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. And even for Rosie, just would she know the touch of your grace upon her. We pray in your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, It is so good to be here with you guys this morning. Um, It's such a privilege for me to go around and visit lots of different churches. And you guys need to know, you have such a gift of worship over you. Um, Your worship team are amazing. And as a church, you just have such a worshipful heart. And um, real privilege to, to be with you and amongst you this morning. And my prayer for this morning is that as I share, we can continue in the vein of worshipping an amazing God who is doing awesome things. And that through anything that I might share with you about the amazing things that God is doing through Christians Against Poverty, that he would be the one that gets the glory this morning and that we would worship him together as we find out about the amazing things that he is doing So thank you, Andrew, for having me, and thank you guys for opening your hearts to listen this morning. So as Andrew said, I'm the CEO of Christians Against Poverty Australia. Um, I've been the CEO since July this year, so I'm pretty fresh in, um, but I've been around the world of Christians Against Poverty for the past 10 years. You'll notice by my accent that I'm not a local to to Canberra or Australia Um, and I came over to Australia in 2013 from CAP UK and so I worked with them for six and a half years before coming here um, to CAP Australia in 2013. In 2013, start of the year, our international director and founder, John Kirkby, um, sat me and my husband down. Um, I'd just returned to work after having my first baby. She was 10 months. He sat us down and said, how would you um, feel about moving to Cap Australia? They're in a point of kind of accelerated growth and we feel like both of you would fill some holes that we have over there. And I said, no way. There's no way I'm going all the way over to Australia. I've got a 10-month-old baby. Are you crazy? Um, and, but I remember clearly saying at the end of that meeting, if God asks us to go, we will go, but God will need to ask us to go. Um, this isn't going to be something that we, we do because we thought that we wanted to. Um, within three months, we were here in Australia And so God moves quickly sometimes, and he did make it really, really clear. Um, I haven't got time now to tell you the full story, but we laid down some things and asked God to, um, yeah, answer some kind of, if you want us to go, these things are going to have to significantly change or happen. And within 48 hours, four out of the five things that we'd laid before God had happened. Um, And so God definitely got our attention really, really quickly. And so, yeah, three months later, we were here with our then um, one-year-old um, daughter, and um, yeah, we're, we're still here. Um, I, we've now got permanent residency here. I've had another baby, so um, my eldest is five and my youngest is three. I've now got a new job title of CEO, and so it looks like we're staying around. And we're staying around because this vision and this ministry is really, really important. And the things that you will hear that God is doing in people's lives is worth it to stay. And I often say that, yes, it's hard. Yes, my 
um, parents and my husband's parents find it really difficult as being away with a five and a three-year-old. For those of you who are grandparents, you can probably understand the sacrifice for them, but it's worth it for them and it's worth it for us because of the lives that Jesus is transforming. And so we continue to be here. Um, God has given um, me and my husband, and I suppose um, in, we both work for CAP. The reason that kind of we were drawn to CAP in the first place is it feels like our, um, our, our whole adult life is separately and then as, as, um, as, mar- as a married couple... Um, God has really given us a heart for the poor and I think that I'm going to talk about the fact that God calls us all to have a heart for the poor but God is kind of that is our thing Um, it's the thing that God has kind of pressed upon us that we will be people that stand in the gap for people that are find find themselves in circumstances that none of us would want to and to to proclaim the gospel on behalf of them to people and so that's why we're here and when we arrived in Australia we discovered that one in eight Australians, and that's still a statistic now, one in eight Australians live below the poverty line. And I would say that that wasn't my expectation. I'm not sure how your perception of what poverty looks like here in Australia and whether one in eight kind of ring, rings true. Um, but that's a high, you know, it's a high number. It's 2.99 million people here um, that are waking up. They've woken up today with not enough food um, in, in their house, not enough resources to do the everyday kind of just basics which is what essentially puts them in that category of being below the poverty line. A a phrase that we use in our household quite a lot is poverty is not okay and I'm going to talk about that this morning. Why is poverty not okay? And um, yeah I've walked into many people's homes and um, my heart is absolutely broken when I walk into a home and realise that that person that you're walking into really feels like the life that they're living is the life that they deserve and it just that isn't the reality of the gospel that that we know we know that that is injustice we know that people deserve hope in their situation and we know that people can escape the situation in which they find themselves and my journey to cap 12 years ago started um, with joining a church that actually ran a cap debt center and it didn't take me long to realize that it works. The whole system that CAP have, um, it's a long-standing kind of process that they have with their debt clients and it works. And it works in terms of relieving poverty, but it also works in terms of setting people free and um, coming into a living relationship with Jesus and to see the gospel come to life. Um, And one of the kind of turning points for me, um, well, one of them was reading the book, which I'll tell you about later, but another was just to see how um, inviting broken people into church and seeing them come um, to faith then in turn changed the very fabric of the church. And one of the things that um, I'm really passionate about Christians Against Poverty is because it partners with the church. It's just this ability to transform how the church functions when it has kind of changes the very fabric of it for serving for the serving the poor. And so that's why we're involved and that's why we'll keep keep being involved and probably here for, for the long haul. Um, just don't let my mum and dad know that. Um, I'm going to start by telling you um, a story, a common story, um, of a lot of the clients that we see. So I want you kind of just to maybe close your eyes or imagine this is you. You're a parent of two children struggling to pay your bills. You and your partner don't spend recklessly. You don't live lavishly. You simply work hard and find at times it's hard to make ends meet. When it's hard to make ends meet, when you have to choose um, between feeding your children and paying your bills, you decide to feed your children. As the bills mount up, you slowly begin to retreat from friends and family. Shame overwhelms you and you begin to hate yourself for not being able to provide. Every phone call, every knock on the door, every visit to your letterbox is marked by growing anxiety as you fear more debt and more repayment demands that you simply can't meet. One day, you find that the bills needing to be paid far exceed the money coming in and you realise that your marriage has fallen apart. That is the devastating reality of lots of our clients that we find right here in Australia. And so I'm going to talk today about um, 
Why should we have a heart for the poor? What does the Bible say about the poor and how our response should look? I'm going to tell you a little about, a bit about kind of the practicalities of what Christians Against Poverty does and also how many people we help and, and what we're doing here in Australia. And I'll conclude by telling you how you can get involved, how you can pray for us and how you can support us financially. And so the first question we're going to look at together is why should I have a heart for the poor and I think that it's an interesting thing for for us as we as we ask that question I think that fundamentally if I was to ask any of us do you have a heart for the poor our response would be yes but kind of I think I just want us to delve a little bit deeper today to really ask ourselves our real kind of heart convictions of how we spend our resources how we spend our time what we pray for what our thoughts are consumed with because I think that if we have a heart for the poor it's not just a yes I have a heart for the poor it actually changes the very fabric of who we are what we think about what we're concerned for how we spend our resources and how we spend our time and so I want us to kind of explore that together. Um, Timothy Keller um, is a Christian author and theologian and has um, written a really good book on this subject called Generous Justice. Um, And he quotes, and I'm going to share that quote with you this morning, um, serving the poor, doing justice is the sign that you have been justified by faith. It's not the basis. You're not justified because you are serving the poor. But a heart poured out for the poor is an inevitable sign that you have been saved by grace. It's definitely a confronting statement and it's worthwhile I think exploring what does it mean to be justified by grace and justification comes from receiving the gift of God's forgiveness. Jesus died on the cross for us and he gave us that gift of forgiveness and so we need to recognize that when Jesus died on the cross his righteousness he pinned on us a medal pinned on us a medal because there was a victory won. When Christ died on that cross, he defeated sin. He should have received the medal, but instead he pinned that on us so that we could be saved by grace, justified by grace. So let me repeat that quote. Serving the poor, doing justice is the sign that you have been justified by faith. It's not the basis. You're not justified because you are serving the poor. But a heart poured out for the poor is an inevitable sign that you have been saved by grace. Most of us... um, hopefully, read our Bibles on a regular basis. And we don't need to go very far to realise that in the Old Testament, we've got Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, talk about an intense intense concern for the quartet of the vulnerable. Um, and essentially, talk about if our heart is not right with God, then we won't have a heart for the poor. And if our heart is right for God, then we... we If our heart is right with God, we will have a concern for the quartet. And so who are the quartet? The widow, the orphan, the immigrant, the poor. And so on the back of that, I'd love for us to to look at a, a, um, a verse in Isaiah. So if you've got your Bibles with you, I invite you to to look at Isaiah 58. I'm going to read it. So if you haven't got it, that's okay. Isaiah 58, we're going to just do verse 6 and 7. As some homework, I'd recommend reading all of Isaiah 58. It's awesome. All the Bible's awesome, but Isaiah 58 is really, really awesome. All right, I'm going to read 6 to 7. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke? to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Feels to me in that verse that Isaiah isn't holding back. It feels like it's quite a a statement um, in terms of, yeah, we, we, we fast for things and we do things at different times, but God has required 
so much of us in response to our salvation. And I often think um, in response to reading, reading that verse, Rosie, put your own name in there. When I see you fasting at church or at home, but you're not feeding the hungry or sheltering the homeless, then is there, is there a disconnect right now between me and you? And I think that that's a dialogue that we need to have in, on a regular basis with God to say, what, how is my, what is my heart condition towards the poor? The, the Bible talks so often about our response to the poor and therefore what, what is our relationship with God looking like right now so that we are responding in the, in the right way. And maybe... The call for you this morning is that my heart isn't poured out for the poor and therefore maybe I need to go back to this thing of what Jesus actually did on the cross and, and do some grappling with God to really realise the grace that he has, he has given us. Because if we're truly saved by grace and we humble ourselves before God, I think our actions will follow. I think what Isaiah is saying is if our heart is right with God, we will serve the poor. And so I'm going to um, go on to what, what does poverty look like here in Australia? Um, I've, I sponsor a child, me and my family sponsor a child um, with compassion um, over in Ethiopia. I have done, um, I used to be a physiotherapist. Don't ask me how I ended up being a physiotherapist and ended up at Christians Against Poverty. That's a really random story. But um, it's not a natural um, career progression, that's for sure. But anyway, I used to um, visit um, Africa as with my physio work, doing kind of aid work. And so if I was to say to you, what does third world poverty look like? We would have a really clear picture come into our minds. We know what that looks like. We know it's terrible and we know it's not good. And hopefully we all want to and will give to projects to help alleviate that and there are some amazing people doing some amazing amazing work but I also think it's important for us to to look at well what does poverty look like in our own backyard our own neighbors our own communities because I think there is a call from God to to make sure that we are dealing with poverty both globally but also our neighbor God talks about that a lot um, and Jesus certainly did as well so, as I said earlier, 2.99 million Australians, that's one in eight. And I think that, you know, if you think of your street, if you think one, every eighth house you would get to, you'd knock on the door and you'd go in and you'd probably be very surprised at what you would find. Um, you can't tell often on the outside what poverty looks like, but you can certainly normally tell when you walk into a home on the things that they don't have or the dysfunction that lies within that household. There are many families that are anxious about going food shopping and many families that have to put things back because they don't quite have enough. Um, many families that are feeding their kids and going without as adults. Many children that are having to um, yeah, go to school with holes in their shoes. Um, just um, reminded of a story that I heard just in the last couple of months that... Um, a child was telling um, us when we were talking to them that she stopped us telling her mum that her shoes had got too small and that she'd got holes in them. So her mum didn't actually know because she knew the anxiety that that would pose to her mum that she would need to buy new shoes and she wouldn't be able to afford to. And I don't know about you, but for me, in our society of Australia, when we have so much, a story of, like that of a child knowing that their poverty is so severe that they're not even going to tell their mom their shoes are rubbing and they've got a hole in their shoe because of the anxiety it will cause. That really grieves me. That just shouldn't happen. Um, and there is something that we can do about it, which is amazing. Um, we're increasingly seeing um, more elderly clients as well. So I don't know whether you've got elderly neighbours, but there are a lot of um, people in kind of um, elderly population that are not being able to afford their energy bills and so choosing to be very hot or very cold in their, in their homes um, and often very isolated and, and very alone. And when I, I think of 
these situations, when I think of our clients, I don't know about you, but I can often feel quite helpless. What what do I do about that? What If it is so hidden and people don't talk about it and the media doesn't talk about it, what do we do about it? And hopefully me coming and speaking to you today gives you a bit of an answer to that in terms of the good news is that Christians Against Poverty is doing some work to um, do what we can as fast as we can to alleviate Australian poverty with the church, which is pretty exciting. The other um, thing that in terms of when we look at those situations, um, they can, especially when you walk into, I don't know how many of you have had any um, contact or um, walked into homes where dysfunction or poverty is is kind of at the very heart of a home. It's very difficult to walk into a, a home like that and say, well, what do we actually do? And the good news is that we know a man, Jesus, who knows exactly what to do in a situation like that. And so we um, are not backfooted in our, um, our Christian walk when we um, walk into homes. We know that Jesus can turn situations upside down and the right way up as we, as we know it. And we know that um, from reading our Bibles that Jesus came into a broken world, a world at the time that believed the poor were getting what they deserved and people were telling um, the blind and the lame to leave Jesus alone. But Jesus sought them out. He stopped. He listened to their stories. He sought out the stranger. He sought out the person that needed to be right with him. While many believed at the time that the marginalised were not their problem, not their issue, they were there of their own accord, Jesus knew and proclaimed that being a neighbour meant stopping and providing shelter and providing clothing. While others saw brokenness that was too hard to fix, Jesus saw people through the eyes of compassion. And Jesus' compassion had no limits and therefore neither should ours. Jesus came with a very specific mandate in Luke 4 um, to, br- to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and to set the captives free. He also said that the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. And I tell you, I've seen some homes where the devil has definitely got his way of stealing, killing and destroying. But his promise is that I have come, that they may have life and have it to the full. We also know that Jesus um, would go after one lost person and leave the 99 to go after that one. He embodied the audacious truth that every single person is made in the beautiful image of God and that no one is too far from the grace that I spoke about earlier when he died on the cross. He embodied the good news that he himself came to give freedom in this life and hope for the next. Through his life, through his death and through his resurrection, Jesus changed everything. And the good news is that we walk into people's homes and again and again and again, Jesus changes everything. He makes a new possible. He makes a change happen. And I think that Jesus gave us a model to follow. He gave his church, his people, a mandate to live as he did, to reach into brokenness, to offer a helping hand, to go after the one, to show compassion that has no limits and to share the good news that Jesus died on that cross and he has a life ready and waiting for them in all its fullness. And so as I shared earlier, the great news is is that Christians Against Poverty is growing and helping more and more people all the time and so thank you to those of you that already have kind of supported CAP met in the first service lots of people coming and saying we already support you and so kind of as I go through this next little section of what CAP has done over the last few years and is going to do kind of hear that you've been part of that and we're passionate about four things at CAP one of them which I've already talked about and hopefully you get from me that we're super, super passionate about serving the poor. Um, it's just the very fact that's why, why we're here. Um, but we're also passionate about seeing them come into relationship with, with God and we don't do one or the other in isolation. We do both of them together. We offer practical support but always with the gospel, always praying for people and always sharing where we can. 
And we believe in doing that with the church. The church is the place, I'm freshly reminded every time I walk into a church, it is the place of true transformation. It is the place in which God has the ability to disciple. Um, Making a decision is the absolute start of the journey and that's normally what happens um, with their cap journey. Someone makes a decision and then they get into a church and they be able, you know, they learn to read their Bibles, they learn to pray and it is the local church that are, are able to do that. And we're passionate about doing that all across Australia. So our services currently, we've got churches um, in all states in Australia but only just about and so our vision over the next um, yeah, five to ten years is to make sure that we've got a church in every community that we have a service. We turn away lots of people currently that we can't help because there isn't a service in their area and so we need to keep going. And so the practical way that we do that is through debt help and that's most of the stories that I've shared with you this morning. And we've got 40 current debt centres that we believe are a living kind of translation and living out of the Isaiah 58 verses that I read to you earlier. Um, we feed the hungry, befriend strangers, pray for the sick and see clients set free from the crippling burden of debt. How do we do that? We visit clients in their own home um, it can be very difficult for someone um, living in poverty to kind of get out to, to different things and appointments and childcare and different things that happen. And so we also believe that walking into someone's home, it's a great opportunity to take the threshold of Jesus into a home that potentially has never had prayer happen in it or never had, um, you know, Jesus even talked about. And so we, it is a powerful demonstration of the gospel to be able to walk into someone's threshold. So we see them in their own home. We put a budget together for them and we find a solution to, to get them out of their debt situation. They pay their own debts, so we don't pay them for them. We put them a sustainable budget together, making sure that they've got their food um, and household kind of needs prioritised so that they're actually able now to feed their family. They're no longer going to be living in poverty. And most of our clients, kind of typically three to five years, it will take them to get out of debt. And so it's not a short journey it means that we get an opportunity to kind of do life with people for a longer period of time which is one of the other reasons why I believe that we do see people come to faith because we get to kind of do the do the journey with people and um, rather it's not a quick a quick fix by any means and just this year we've seen 267 families go debt free that's yeah it's good you can clap you can clap it's good give God give God a clap and um, we've got another service that we partner with churches, um, which is called CAP Job Clubs. And that's um, a community within a church that is set up to support the long-term unemployed. As you are unemployed, the longer you're unemployed, um, the harder it is statistically to get back into the workforce. And so we believe there's a... Um, a real opportunity for the church to stand in that gap and be able to speak confidence and life into people when they're often feeling at their very their, their lowest in terms of their self-confidence and who they believe they are and being able to say we believe that God has a purpose and a plan for your life and this isn't it but let's let's work on the God-given plan that he has for you. What are the gifts and abilities that he has given you and let's find employment that's going to... Um, going to tailor, tailor into that and we do all of the normal things that you would find in a kind of job club environment in terms of resumes and interviews and but we see people change when they come it can't, it's a completely different environment because Jesus is there at the center of it it isn't just skills or teaching it's actually life-giving and so we're seeing a great success in seeing people back into the workforce because they're actually being giving a hope and they're giving confidence that really only Jesus can give them we have um, another new service that we've launched just this year called CAP Release Groups. We launched our first four release groups just in September. And this is um, a group of um, a community of people to support people that are struggling um, with the chains of addiction. And we're talking kind of um, your everyday life addiction type things that some of you might struggle with in here, shopping, smoking, gambling, drinking, shopping, 
Facebook. Like these real, real problems um, that we that stop us from being the people that God created us to be to live in freedom. They keep us in bondage, and um, so setting up communities within churches to support that and give people the tools, give people the biblical kind of mandate for how do we become free from those things to live the life that God intended for us. And so the program essentially is built on um, similar to the AA program of 12 steps, but it's putting Jesus right at the centre of it. In term, We don't talk about higher power, we talk about them needing Jesus. Um, and so that's that. Watch this space for that. It's currently going we did a pilot that started at the start of the year and that went so well that we launched these four new services so watch this space in terms of how how that goes but we're excited about seeing that grow over the next few years and we also have an amazing tool called the cat money course which i know you guys run here which is a a money education course it's a three-week course meant um, for people that can essentially how do i put a budget together and how do i live off that budget um, and the aim is to stop people from becoming um, in a situation where they might need a cap service later on. And so it's more of a preventative measure, but it is a great tool. And certainly I know it revolutionised my ability to, to manage my money and I wouldn't have said I was that bad, but it was awesome. So if you've not done that, I'd recommend it. Um, so um, some other kind of statistics for you um, just to... Kind of in terms, we do a cap um, client survey once a year, and um, our clients told us the last time that we did this that they were typically, on average, living on eight dollars a day. And so, if you imagine you had a family of four and you were living on eight dollars a day, I know for me, being a family of four, eight dollars a day would not go very far. Um, and so, that's kind of the reality for lots of our clients. And 80% of them said that their relationship with their partner or husband or wife had um, suffered or completely broken down because of their debt situation. Um, yeah, financial pressure really does. It is kind of at the pinch point of lots of family breakdown. And we know how powerful it is to keep families together. We know what that means for children. And so anything that we can do through our debt help to keep families together is really, really important. One in three of our clients um, across all of our services say that they have um, considered or attempted suicide. Um, this is one of the, the quotes from our, jo- from our job club um, member. Unemployment keeps my brain locked on the suicide channel almost constantly. And I said earlier about poverty not being okay. In terms of its impact on suicide rates here in Australia, I don't know how much you're aware about suicide rates, but man, Australia is up there. It is, it's a real problem. It's a real epidemic and it's not okay. And it's not okay for people to be considering suicide because of their financial pressure and situation. We know, as believers as God, that it's just money. But when it is such a um, a weight and responsibility that's meaning that you want to take your own life, that is really serious and we need to take that seriously and do what we can to relieve pressure for people. So Jesus is using Christians Against Poverty, his church and his people to bring life in all its fullness to families who desperately need help, hope and the good news of the gospel. Every person precious, every person worth going after. And um, as part of what I'm doing today, I'd really like all of you to take um, a copy of this book with you if you've not already got it. It's a a diary of John Kirkby, who's the founder of Christians Against Poverty. And I'm just going to read to you a little snippet from, from his book just to give you an idea of of what it really, I suppose, feels like and what it's like for someone who um, is being chased for money that they just don't have. So this is from his diary. Um, he just started CAP, actually, but was still in a very difficult situation financially himself. Yesterday morning, Saturday, just as we were setting off for a day out with the girls, the phone rang. It was the same credit card collection company. The lady on the other end of the phone simply carried off where they had left off last time they spoke to me and simply demanded more money. 
as I explained my plight. At the end of each exchange, she simply stated that £10 per month was not enough. I explained I was on a very low income, not eligible for any benefits, and had been paying without missing for five years. Even when I explained that I was facing losing my home over the next few weeks, had no regular income, and that I was running a Christian charity working to help the poor, she simply said, more money or we will take you to court. It is important to understand that having worked in the finance industry for 17 years, I know that the company would not get anything if they took me to court. I know I'd been totally honourable in all my financial affairs. However, this lady made me feel like dirt. Not for the first time throughout the last five years, her attitude and threats almost brought me to my knees. What was I supposed to do? I have to admit I finally lost it. I could not talk to this lady and the feelings of helplessness, injustice and vulnerability were too far to bear. I had to ask her to ring me on Tuesday when I'd be able to talk to her better and I had to put down the phone. I'm not a man who can't fight his own corner. And if you know John, that's very true. I always read that and think he's really not. Um, Yeah, he's an amazing guy. Um, But she finally ground me down so much that I basically cracked. So many of our clients feel like that. I mean, I know John. John is an intelligent, entrepreneur, amazing man who has now built kind of this amazing organisation to be what it is today. Um, And that was how how it felt, um, to not be able to meet the demands because he knew he didn't have the money to pay the bills that were coming in, and that is how many of our our clients feel. And, yeah, it's desperate. Um, Today, um, CAP's managing um, $10 million worth of debt. That's a lot of money. I'm glad that that's not all mine to pay. Um, For 500 families who are now putting food on the table every day and able to get back on their feet and paying that debt off at a rate that they can afford. I said earlier that we'd seen a significant number of people go debt free already this year but since CAP began in Australia 17 years ago we've seen 2,585 people go debt free. That's a lot of people and that's a lot of kids. Um, I always think you know kind of 2,000 odd families how many kids is that that are waking up today in completely different situations Um, in our surveys the generational impact is really really significant Um, and yeah kind of most of our our families that we help their kids will grow up not knowing poverty which absolutely makes my job worth it. Um, In John chapter 10 it says I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And so, yeah, what does that mean, uh, that you may have life and have it in the full? We know that that means our salvation. And so I said that we're passionate about sharing the gospel with people. And since um, CAP Australia began, we've seen um, at the start of this year, I think it was March that we reached this milestone, um, 1,500 people committing their lives to Christ, which, yeah. It's good. You can give him a clap. Give God a clap. Again, that's a lot of people and a lot of families that have now got Jesus at the centre of everything that they're doing, which is amazing. Hundreds of those families experiencing life in all its fullness and living in hope. And as I said earlier, Jesus changes everything. He's using his church, his people, to bring good news all across Australia. And so we're going to watch a video in a minute, but um, while while we do that, I'm going to give you an opportunity to take a copy of this away with you. And so I've hopefully, can you all wave cards at me? To you got a card on your, yeah, good, great, fantastic. So in this card, on the um, left hand side, my details is a section that you can fill out. And all we need is some details from you and we will swap that at our stand. You can come and see me and Sally at the stand and we'll swap the card for a book. And this book really is inspirational. You'll read it and just be inspired about what God can do. And so do um, fill that card in and take a book away away with you today. And so while you fill that in, we're going to watch a video of Peter's story and then I'll be back in a minute just to wrap up. Uh, 
which separated five years after um, we got married, shortly after our children were born. I've got two boys. Uh, Andrew was my first son and Nicholas is the second one. At the moment I drive buses for Greyhound Australia. Yeah, everything was all right until uh, I had um, in property I got uh, involved in by a company on the Gold Coast. I got occasion that the builder had gone broke, had gone bankrupt. It was just awful it was. Having the maintenance, living at home, and then the credit card debt was, was coming in and you know, I had pain too much worrying about where the next dollar was going to come from and all this sort of stuff. And That's when you really start to let go and think, oh, I've, I've just done the absolute best I can and I can't do any more. I did think about suicide. I felt like I was a failure. I felt like I'd lost uh, all my um, self-worth. Yeah, I distinctly remember when I first met Peter, he was discouraged. He, he thought that he should have been in a better place and it became obvious that he had a credit card issue. And then they asked me to get my, my five credit cards out of my wallet. And he, did, he pushed them across to us and, and we actually got a pair of scissors and we cut those up. And they'd done the whole five of them and then and they said, now how do you feel? And I just sat down like this and I just cried. I'll never forget just the sob that came from Peter because it was like a lifeline for him and when we cut those, it broke something. And I cried and I cried and I thought, oh, what have you done to me? This journey for Pete wasn't going to be a quick one. We knew that. It was going to take a lot of time and it has. Obviously, you've got to be vigilant in, in what you're doing and you've got to stick to the budget, you know. And when you've never budgeted, it's very hard to adjust to budgeting because you just don't know about it, you know. She came up with, with ideas that um, I never sort of thought about. Um, so uh, the land went first. My dad would be very disappointed with me, you know, selling something that he, he inherited. It's not something that he bought. It was inherited to him from his father. She said, oh, you're going to have to sell your house. I thought, oh, not my house. I said, I've been here 20 years. I've been paying a mortgage for 20 years. And she said, Peter, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to put it on the market. OK, that's what I did. So I had to give all that up and I had to leave country living to city living. Um, I used to deliver hay on my days off to continue to do pay my debt down. I've even done a little budget for my older son, Andrew. He had no idea. He was doing exactly what I was doing, spending the money as quick as you got it. It's taught me something to give to my to my son. And, uh, you know, you can't sort of say that Cap hasn't done anything for me. They've done just massive things for me. As, as happy as we are that he's on this journey to becoming debt-free, the, the other side of it that just, um, I guess, delights my soul is to see a spiritual connection with Jesus. And Pete's made that connection. He's returned to a faith that he had as a child. I actually recommitted my life back to God because I, I just felt um, that I needed God in my life. And I can see what God has done. You know, talking to somebody who is coming along naturally walking into his spiritual journey because something's been care of in his natural journey. He didn't have to be forced, it's just the natural next step. And I'm not thinking about dying now like I was, and uh, I'm, I'm feeling very happy at this point in time. My debt will be cleared in about four months' time. Just don't know how life is going to be when I don't have that worry anymore. It's, uh, it's been a journey for so long, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that time. They have saved me from possible death, really, um, and I owe my life to Cap. Thank you for bearing with the internet as it came through, but it was worth it, I think. And then Peter says at the end of that, um, I owe my life to Cap.
he has his life to Jesus, that's for sure. Um, and so, yeah, powerful story. And the good news is that Peter's now debt-free. Um, we um, did that in March this year. And, yeah, as he said, it took about three, four months after that. And so we were able to call him and happy day and tell him that he's now debt free and so that was a really exciting day for for us to celebrate and we're going to add on a little bit of extra footage on that extra on the on the film when we when we can just to celebrate that at the end so for for Peter there is now light where there was darkness hope where there was no hope and new life that will impact his children and their children's children. And there are many other people being impacted in the same way. Personally, I want to see more debt centres, more job clubs, more release groups all across this nation. I want to see um, more churches um, partnering with us. I want to see less people being turned away because we don't have a service in their area. And so today I would really want to ask you to do three things. The first one I've already asked you, um, which is to take a copy of Nevertheless and to fill out the left-hand side of this form. Um, And all you need to do is come and see me and Sally and we'll swap that for a book. The second is I'd love for you as a church to really consider what it is that poverty looks like for you in your community or even for you in your street. You know, is there, can you look out for the people that are maybe struggling? Um, or, yeah, I mean, I, had an ex- I was helping out recently at something at school and was obviously a child that was kind of struggling um, at home and kind of what can we do in those situations and kind of just to grapple, grapple with that as a church and what, what you can do. Um, And then finally today, I also do want to give you an opportunity to support us financially. Um, Everything that we offer to our clients is completely free. The service um, is free of charge and, um, yeah, we don't receive any government funding and therefore I would love for you um, to join with us and partner with us financially. We have a significant and a bold vision to see everyone in Australia have access to this service and to do that we need to grow and to do that we need resources to grow and so I'd love for you to be part of that and I'd love for you to to partner with us and essentially we'll never stop praying we'll never stop sharing the gospel which means we'll never have probably never have access to government funding and therefore we rely on individuals like yourselves that can give just a small amount every month to support us and it all comes together and like the loaves and fishes story um, and provides what we need to make sure that we can continue growing and so today I'd love to ask whether you could give and join over, we've got 3,500 other people already giving to support our work. The amount's absolutely not important, but it's the joining in that matters. $5 a week, the cost of a coffee. Think about maybe what you could sacrifice above and beyond. You're already giving um, to, to lots of other things, I'm sure, and to church diligently. And so today, will you consider becoming a life changer? And to do that, you just need to tick um, on the right-hand side. Um, if you don't know how much, then that's okay. You can tick and we can give you a call this week. If you've got bank details, then you can complete them on there. If not, you can still tick and we can call you this week to set that up. We've got a wonderful phone team that work in the evenings um, to set up um, life changer donations. So you don't need to have all your details today. And finally, this one's just for maybe one or two of you here. We're setting up a program at the moment called Vision Sponsors, and that's people that are able to give $100 or more on a regular basis. And that can really help us accelerate our growth. We've got a couple of areas that we want to invest in to make sure that we can grow as quickly as possible. And we're trying to get as many Vision Sponsors to kind of join in with that to give us the resource to accelerate our growth over these next three to five years and so if that's you today if you're able to do that then indicate that on the form or come and chat to me at the end God really is only just getting started I believe with Christians Against Poverty and what he's going to do in this amazing nation and so watch 
pray. If you could pray for us, we've absolutely, we're up against it. Um, you know, kind of there are many powers and principalities um, that are not wanting us to do what we are about to do. And so please do be praying for us um, over these next few years as we go about what we're doing um, and yeah watch and support us and thank you so much for having me here because that's part of supporting us that's part of um, allowing um, me to come and talk is stand you know it's so encouraging to us to know that we have churches that are standing with us and supporting us and so thank you and thank you Andrew for, for having me. Thank you, Rosie. Rosie and Sally will be at the desk outside if you'd like to grab them before you head off. Can we stand, stretch, limber up, do what you need to do? It's been good to gather together. And I hope that each of our hearts has been stirred and encouraged, not only with the work of CAP, which is a good work, but also about our heart for the poor in our city. Um, before I pray, let me just make mention, the prayer team has said, can you please let anybody who would like prayer know? They had a prayer team gathering yesterday and they said they are pumped. Was that, was that the exact word? I think that was the exact word. They're pumped. They're ready to go. They're ready to pray for you. So if you're in need of anything, if you're in need of breakthrough, if you're in need of the touch of the Lord, this is not about them. As we've said, this is about the work of Jesus. We know someone whose heart is to bring healing, to bring freedom, to bring liberty. So please come forward if you're in need of prayer. And the prayer team, as I finish praying, or even as I pray, if you want to come up and just get ready, let's pray. Just invite you, if you want to, just put your hand on your heart. The thing that's been stirred in me, as Rosie said, is to really love and to serve and to worship God is to love the things that are on his heart. And his heart is for the poor, it's for the widow, it's for the, orf the orphan. And we're surrounded in a world, even in a city, particularly our city, where people have got such a good grasp on the problems. Oh, well, it's this sort of a city, it's a hard city, it's, it's, it's this, it's that and the other. And yet I was reminded as we were sitting there listening this morning of Jesus' words to his disciple. He said, pray that there will be harvesters because the fields are ripe and they're ready for harvesting and we have a wonderful opportunity to see God do something in our city so Lord we just want to pray as we bring our service to a conclusion this morning Lord would you stir our hearts stir our hearts with the things that are on your hearts Lord may our worship we thank you even this morning for our time of worship but may it not only just be here within the four walls of the church but Lord, may it be a life of worship as we serve your glorious call to proclaim your kingdom, the name of Jesus. We thank you that you're the same yesterday, today and forever. And that as you came to lift up the poor and needy, as you came to set free the oppressed, as you came to proclaim liberty and freedom, Lord, still that is your heart today. Give us a heart to seek after you and give us a heart to be your hands and feet in a city that needs it. Bless the work of CAP. We thank you for Rosie and Sally. And Lord, may you use their ministry and their organization in ways even greater than what they could themselves plan for. We pray for blessing in every area, financially, spiritually. We uphold them to you. We thank you for just the opportunity to hear them share this morning. And we pray all these things in your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. Amen.